0: Here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here at uh, First Arden today. I see a lot of familiar faces. see a lot of friends. No foes, I don't think. If we're foes, keep it to yourself. Just kidding. But I uh, appreciate Joe. Man, Joe can make a preacher preach with his gift of uh, praise and worship. Not only do we have Jesus in uh, common, but we're both Tennessee fans. And uh, I'm sure you've been hearing a lot from Joe about Tennessee when he gets the mic. And uh, Tennessee has had a good year. They used to not be able to, to play Rocky Top because they didn't score. But they played Rocky Top a lot this year. That's not important. But I want you to get this visual in your mind. I was at the Tennessee-Alabama game when Tennessee beat them. Some, team, some uh, Tennessee fans say the game of the century. But about 70,000 people rushed the field. At the end, and I thought about it, Debbie, I was close to going down there, good friend Debbie Presnell, we go way back years ago, it's good to see you, she has an awesome ministry for girls and ladies, and God bless you sister, appreciate what you do, I follow you on Facebook, but uh, they rushed the field, and uh, you might have saw it on ESPN or on the news, and they even tore the goalpost down, they carried them out of the stadium, and they sunk them in the Tennessee River. And then I heard later somebody got him out of the river, chopped them up, and sold them to crazy Tennessee fans. So let's get that mind's eye in our vision there. We can get that excited about football. Or you may be a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. There's a Duke fan in the back back there, a buddy of mine from way back. He and his girlfriend back there. And I told him he needed to repent for that Duke sweatshirt in church today. Just kidding. But uh, anyway... You may be into basketball, football, soccer, the World Cup is going on. You may not be in sports at all. But we get excited about many things in life. To rush the field, to tear the goalposts down, to sink them in the Tennessee River. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could get that excited about the Lord Jesus Christ? And uh, we've got to get back to that in America, as you all know. Uh, Times are very hard. They may be getting worse, but the cream of the crop, which is you folks that are in a Bible-believing church on Sunday morning, we've got to get out there in the community, in the neighborhood, and share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I appreciate about your pastor, Tim Brown. Tim and I go way back. I remember we were downtown Asheville. Most of y'all try to stay away from downtown Asheville, all right? But Tim and I would go down there with a group of people to uh, share the gospel, and to engage people with the good news, and uh, Tim and I were down there one night, and uh, I was over here witnessing to somebody, and Tim led a lady who y'all probably know. She's probably spoken here. If you don't know her, you need to get to know her, but he led a lady named Teresa McMillan to the Lord. Teresa's been to about 30 countries now. She's a soul winner. She shares the gospel, and I was thinking about that this morning. Tim is still getting the fruit off of Teresa McMillan's ministry because Teresa shares the gospel every day and your pastor is a soul winner and that's important and I know he talks to you about sharing your faith and being a soul winner and being a seed planter. Jamie and I were blessed to spend about uh, 30 minutes with Dr. Billy Graham probably seven eight years ago nine years ago I forget how long he's been gone but it was a couple years before he passed away. We got to go up to Montreat to the log cabin and that was a dream for a for a young evangelist to be able to spend time with him. I would met him a few times but always wanted to, to sit down and talk with him. So we got to go up there one day. He was in a wheelchair. He had oxygen on. It wasn't the powerful voice that you can hear on YouTube now or on the Billy Graham Crusade videos. But his voice was raspy. And he gave us two statistics that I want to pass along to you all today. And I believe they're real. And I've experienced them myself in 68 countries. And Jamie and I in 47 states. But the two statistics he gave was this. He believed that 60% of those, and I know I'm working you back there, brother. I'm going to try to stay in a certain range. But I tend to walk, and he's having to move that camera back there. I appreciate your heart, brother. You got your work cut out for you today. Just kidding. But uh, Dr. Graham gave two statistics. And one was he believed that 60% of those in churches... Across America today and around the world, 60% are churchtons. They've never truly been born again. And I believe that as well. Because unlike your pulpit, Brother Tim, the gospel is not being shared from pulpits across America. Many denominations don't even give the gospel. They just assume that everybody knows the Lord, and they assume their neighbors know the Lord. They assume the doctor knows the Lord. Not if you live in Asheville, but uh, a lot of places, they just assume they know the Lord. So I agree with him. Sixty percent of the churches, people in churches today around the world are churchtons. They've never truly been born again and received Christ as their Lord and Savior. The gospel is being presented here, and I'm thankful for that. The second statistic he gave was this. He believed that 95 out of 100, 95% of born-again Bible-believing Christians, you've been saved according to John 3, you've repented of your sin, you've put your faith in Christ. He believed that 95% of true born-again Christians will never lead one soul to Jesus. Now that's a tragedy, y'all. Because if we can go to Tennessee, and I've been there, done that. If we can go to North Carolina... If we can go to Robertson, if we can go to West Henderson, if we can go to East Henderson, and we get excited about a pigskin crossing the goal line, and we rush the field, we tear the goalpost down, we sink them in the Tennessee River, or we get excited about our particular team, or our children, or our grandchildren, or our bank account, or our golf clubs, or our bass boat, or our hobbies nothing wrong with those. But we can get more excited about them than we do. And sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ individually with our neighbors, in the restaurants, in the gas stations, in the neighborhood, in the workplace. And then if you're called to full-time ministry like Tim and I are, we're supposed to do it. But I've met many pastors in 68 countries and 47 states that don't share the gospel outside the pulpit. And that's a tragedy, y'all. Because the scripture tells us that the reason that we're here is to share the gospel. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if we're following Jesus and he's in our heart and we got the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave living inside of us and we're not sharing the gospel, then I want to challenge you. I had to check my life at one time and realize that I was committing high treason against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Dr. Adrian Rogers. Once said, if you're not sharing the gospel, then you're not following Jesus. Wow, I didn't say that. Don't get mad at me. But Dr. Rogers is an awesome man of God. He's in heaven now. I got to sit under him for four years. I'm thankful that your pastor, your staff, is sharing the gospel. That's why I mentioned that story of Teresa McMillan. Because you're only going as far as your leader goes. A good team is only going to go as far as their coach A good nation is only going to go as far as their president. And we need to be sharing the gospel, friends. So I want to encourage you today. Thank you, first of all, for your support of Crossfire Ministries and Jamie and I and the different ministries that God allows us to do. You guys have us in your budget. You give us a donation about every three months. And you help out with other events that we have. And we couldn't do that without people like you doing that and helping us. And we have about... 15 churches that do that and we've been in a thousand churches in 30 years most of our support comes from individuals businesses there's a little old lady that gives uh debbie she gives twenty dollars a month and we tried to get her to stop doing that because she was on a fixed income and jamie and i talked to her and she said you little whoopersnappers don't tell me what to do god told me to do this i said yes ma'am please keep sending it and then we have a businessman that writes a large check every year. That's how we're able to go because of folks like you pray and give. I didn't come to get your money. I just want to compliment your church, that you are a giving church. Appreciate Pastor Tim letting me uh, preach today. He assured me that he would be online. So, Tim, I know you're listening. If I'm on, off base, I'll get a call from you on Monday. Thank you, buddy. All right. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark 1, 16 through 18. Mark 1, 16-18. And before we go with our specific scripture for today, I want to give you some scriptures that are in the Bible about witnessing. And there's many scriptures in the wit- about witnessing in the Bible. But if you know Christ today, we are all called to be seed planters, to be soul winners. I saw Jonathan Whitson when I was uh, coming from the downstairs service up here. Jonathan has been a great part of Crossfire. His dad's back there. And Jonathan and his wife and his little girl, you guys know Jonathan. Jonathan is a warrior off the court for the Lord and on the court. He, bless you, Tim, your buddy's playing basketball here in the floor. Just kidding, Gabriel. We got it, we got it signed there for him. He asked for a signature. I was humbled that he wanted my signature. You'll grow up and you'll know better one day, all right? appreciate you encouraging Brother Randy, Uncle Randy, all right? But uh, Jonathan is an awesome uh, blessing to crossfire he uh, played with us many games, and Jonathan would rebound. He would score. He started riding a bike, as you know. Him and his dad ride bikes, and now I can't get him on the basketball court. So pray for Jonathan that he'll get back on the basketball court, all right? He's young. Jamie and I are getting older. So, uh, but Crossfire this year, glory to God, I want to brag on Jesus. We've seen uh, 4,008 public professions of faith. We've been in about 60 churches from Iwana, Gabriel's size, Right up to the pulpit. We've been in about 60 schools this year, some public, some private. Obviously, private schools, we can share the gospel and we can give the gospel, give an invitation, receive Christ in the Christian schools. In the public schools, not so much. If you're a public school teacher here, principal, administrator, thank God for you. Thank God we got Christian teachers and administrators in the public schools because we've kicked God out. We've kicked God out of our schools. We've taken the Ten Commandments off of the walls at our courthouse. We've kicked prayer out of our schools. And then we wonder why all havoc is broken loose. And uh, so we've been in about 60 schools this year. We've been in about 20 inner-city outreaches. We've been in some prisons. We've been in some rescue missions. We've probably had over 1,000 gospel presentations in the streets, whether it be a restaurant, a hotel, a uh, down on the street corner, downtown Asheville. So I want you to know we're not sitting around. Keep praying for opportunities and that God is blessing. If you would like to get a newsletter, there are some on the table out there in the lobby. And uh, if you would like to get a scripture t-shirt, because God is helping you to begin to witness. Gabriel, this is too big for you, buddy. But I want Grandma to take it, not now, after the service. You're listening good. And I want you to exchange it. ...for a youth medium, which is going to be a night-night shirt for you, but one day you'll grow into it, all right? And I want you to take that, and I want you to wear it for the Lord, all right? Also, is this your little brother right here? Y'all share this basketball, all right? It's got John 14, 6 on it. Don't dribble it during church, I'll be in trouble, all right? But I appreciate Brother Tim and his wife. You may not know this, but I was instrumental in introducing them. So I take credit for that, all right? We were on a hiking trip one time, waterfall somewhere... And she was there, and Tim was nervous. His knees were knocking together. He was scared to talk to her. I said, come on, man, go ahead. What you got to lose? And there you have it. So uh, praise the Lord. But uh, I want to read some scriptures to you here about what God has called us to do. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans 1, Mark 16, 15, and 16. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20. We know the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Romans ten thirteen and 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Those last two verses you say, well, Brother Randy, that gets me out of... Of sharing the gospel. Because it says do the work of the evangelist. And you're an evangelist. And it says how are they going to hear. Without a preacher. And Tim is a preacher. So it's up to you two. To share the gospel. No the word preacher means a truth teller. A teller of truth. And the definition of the gospel. Is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The death. Burial. And resurrection. By the power of the Holy Spirit to all who need it, and that is the lost. So the Bible also says the fields are whitened to harvest, but the labors are few. And I was in that group for way too long, that 95% that Dr. Billy Graham said will never lead one soul to Christ. As a believer, I was in that group for way too long. So I'm speaking to myself. I fall short every day. I miss opportunities every day. So I want us to look at God's Word today to see who God is calling to be a witness and why we should witness and the lies the devil is going to tell us on why we can't be a witness and then the right methods in witnessing. So uh, Mark 1, 16 through 18, we're going to use that base scripture there. Mark 1, 16 through 18. If you've got your Bible, flip over to that particular passage. And we're going to look at that. I don't know if Brother Tim and his wife ever gone to the Holy Land. They look like they got a good babysitter here, so they could probably go. But young in my ministry, Dr. Billy Klein, who was instrumental in Sister Debbie's life and my life at Merriman Avenue Church, and he was a soul winner, and he taught me to share my faith. And unfortunately, I got off the path in high school and let basketball become number one. I was going to church like many of us here. But I was sitting and looking at my watch, not that you were doing this. This is what I was doing, thinking, wow, it's 5 till 12. When is he going to wrap this up? i got to get home and play basketball. I wasn't listening to the message. I wasn't applying it to my life. And I prayed on game day because that's when I needed my shots to go in. I prayed on test day because that's when I needed to pass the test that sometimes, brother, I didn't even study for. Now, God can do miracles But he's probably not going to do that. He does say, study to show thyself approved. He's talking about the Word of God. But we can ask the Lord, sometimes like a heavenly Santa Claus, to do a lot of things for us that we haven't even put the time in ourselves to be prepared for that. So young people, students, don't be like that. Don't put everything in basketball like I did when I went to UNC Asheville on a basketball scholarship. Dad, don't put everything in your business Mom, don't put everything in your children, your grandchildren, nothing wrong with those things if we're in the right priorities. And God used a bold believer, I'll tell you a little bit about in the message later, to get my attention and an injury to get my attention to get me back on the right path. And then I fell fell under heavy conviction that I had been in that 95% for way too long. And I hadn't led anybody to Christ. What I can talk somebody into, somebody else can talk them out of. But what the Spirit of God puts on somebody, nobody can take that away. But guess what the Scripture just told us there that we read? How are they going to hear without a truth teller? We are God's hands and feet in this earth. Now, I've heard this before, and it is, it is in the Scripture, Matthew five sixteen. Brother Randy, I'm just going to let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. And that's good. But, another great preacher from this area, I'm not going to call his name, you would know him, but he made this statement. He said, it's not going to be my light or your light that saves them. It's going to be the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves them. And right here in Buncombe County, Asheville, been blessed to go to 68 countries, 47 states, but right here in our Jerusalem, if you will, people don't know the gospel. If you don't believe me, Start sharing your faith. I meet people every day that don't know how to get to heaven. I'm going to ask you a question at the beginning here. You can use it. It didn't come from me. It came from a Presbyterian preacher in uh, Florida named D. James Kennedy. He's in heaven now, but he started an outreach called Evangelism Explosion. There's different questions you can ask people, diagnostic questions, to uh, get their attention. And ever since that bold believer on the UNCA campus, when I was a junior, off the path, basketball number one in my life, wasn't living for the Lord, going to church on Sunday, going through the motions, mom and dad thought everything was great with Randy, but behind the scenes, a lot of things were going on that wasn't great with the Lord. And he asked me this question. First of all, big guy, I can't get down there to you, but he walked up to me and he grabbed me by the hand. He said, Randy, how's your walk with Jesus going? And I lied to him. I said, oh, it's going pretty good. I'm going to church on Sunday. You know, I'm sure I probably said, I pray on game day. I pray when I need the Lord. But it was really a lie. And then he asked me this question, big guy. He said, Randy, if you died today, this came from D. James Kennedy in E.E. You died today and you stood before God. And he said, why should I let you into heaven? What are you going to say? Friends, if we left the church at 1.30 when I get through, just kidding. If we left the church and we went out to Walmart, we went downtown Asheville, we went to Biltmore Park, and we asked a hundred people that question, the number one answer you're going to get is this, I'm a good person. What does the Word of God say about being good, y'all? It says there is none good, not even one. The best five minutes that we could live Will not get us a relationship with God. Er, wrong answer. The second most popular answer you're going to get. I'm Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic. I got that several times in, on a mission field. Ask the person. If you're Catholic here, great. But we've got to be born again. If you're Baptist here, great. But we've got to be born again. But I was asking that question at a restaurant. And the waiter obviously was offended by that question. He said, I'm a Catholic. And he turned and he went to the kitchen. Well, he forgot that he had to get my credit card. to sign off on the bill, so he had to come back to the table, humble himself a little bit. Now, I'm not picking on Catholics here. I'm just saying, when you ask that question in the most loving, gracious way, people are going to get offended. But why? Because you're talking about Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every, name will, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can mention God. You can mention a lot of names. You mention Jesus, and all havoc breaks loose. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we've got to be sharing the gospel, you guys. We've got to be doing that. And for so long in my life, I wasn't doing that. And that guy challenged me that day. And I wasn't even sure of my salvation. And I believe like Brother Tim and like you've been taught from the Word of God, the eternal security of the believer. If you've truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, He seals you with the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. The question is this. If we can say we know the Lord and we live our life any old kind of way, we're not convicted... Or God doesn't love us enough that according to Hebrews twelve five, do not despise the chastening of the Lord that He disciplines those He loves. He's not a cosmic cop that wants to beat you over the head. But if you know Christ, the Lord is going to convict you, and then if you don't adhere to the conviction, he may allow a challenge into your life. And he did that on the basketball court with me about two days after that guy asked me that question. And you know why all that happened? Because I had a praying mama. And I had a praying church. And I had people that were praying for me like you're going to be praying for others, hopefully if you're not already, but after this message, and as you share the gospel with them, the Holy Spirit's going to do the work. You're just the messenger. But they're not going to hear, friends, unless we share with them. It's not just Pastor Tim's job. It's not just my job. I wasn't even full-time ministry then. It's our job as believers in Christ. So I want to encourage you. I want to go to this scripture, and I got ready to say... That if uh, Tim and his lovely wife have never been to the Holy Land, I want to challenge your church. He didn't tell me to say this. I want to challenge your church to send Tim and his wife to the Holy Land sometime. I've been 23 times. And it's like a year of seminary. And I've 23 times, Sister Debbie, I'm looking for a quadruple doctorate degree because I've been 23 times. The Bible comes alive. You say, Randy, they're fighting over there. And I wouldn't think about going over there. Guess what? They're fighting here too. You're safer in the will of God in Israel than you are out of the will of God on Sweeten Creek Road. Now, the, the message is not to send Tim to the Holy Land. He didn't tell me to tell you that. But I want you to get this in your mind's eye. Not only the Tennessee football game where everybody rushed the field because they won the ball game, but let's look at Scripture here in Mark 1, 16 through 18 if you have your Bible. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Let's see what they did in verse 18. And straightway they forsook their nets, and they followed him. What does that word straightway mean? It means immediately they dropped their nets... And they followed Him. Am I telling you to quit your job? No. Am I telling you to quit school? Am I telling you to quit your family? No. But if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior in this room today, and there may be some here that don't, I was blessed to pray with a little nine-year-old girl out here in the foyer between services that raised her hand in the first service that she had prayed to receive Christ with me when I gave the prayer. And I made sure that she understood out there in the hallway... And she said she did, and she said that Jesus was in her heart. Her soul is just as precious as the President of the United States or as some great celebrity that we know. So thank God. The souls are all around us, even in the church, that need to come to know Christ. So that scripture there. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. I want you to picture that. Maybe you haven't been to the Sea of Galilee, but you've been to Lake Julian. You've been to the French Broad River. You've been to Lake Hartwell, you've been to Lake James, and we'll picture the hair maybe blowing and Jesus uh, the wind blowing in Jesus' hair. He's walking down the Sea of Galilee. They still throw the net at the Sea of Galilee. They've got some nice bass boats out there that I've seen. They've got some nice boats on the Sea of Galilee, but you still see fishermen throwing the net on the seashore. So these fishermen are there. Jesus is walking down the beach. He yells, "Come, follow me!" and I'll make you become fishers of men. He's saying to that to us today. When do we start doing that, Randy? After we go to seminary for four years? After we go through a discipleship program? We can look at some examples in the Bible. The woman at the well. Jesus went out of his way. Now you're saying, Randy, you're talking about Jesus. Well, we can talk about Philip and the eunuch then. Philip was leading a revival. And God told him to go to the desert. And he goes to the desert and there is an Ethiopian eunuch there that's looking at the Word and doesn't understand the Word. And what did, Jesus, what did Philip do? He explained the Gospel, the Word, to him. The man made a decision. He even baptized him. And the man went back to Africa. And probably that's where the Gospel started Africa. Off of one obedient Philip, who's a deacon in the church. Common man. Like you and I. So who did Jesus go to? He went to the common man. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't go to the White House. He went to the common man. You and me. The common student. The common senior citizen. And he said, Come follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Dr. Adrian Rogers once said, as I quoted earlier, If we're not fishing for men and women and boys and girls, we're probably not following Jesus. Because that was his heartbeat. That's how all of us probably came to know the Lord. It probably wasn't under a sermon. A grandmama, a mama, a daddy, a school teacher, somebody planted a seed in our life of the gospel and it germinated by the Holy Spirit and bam, here we are today. So I want to challenge you. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you looking for opportunities to share your faith? Or are you like Mr. Randy was for so long in that 95% that doesn't share the gospel. We can turn that around today. My toes are already being stepped on. I fall short every day friends. But the Lord through his Holy Spirit. Wants to give us the power. To share the gospel. In the community. There's five lies though. That the enemy is going to throw at you. If uh, if you share the gospel. You know these lies. If you don't share the gospel. He's probably already hitting your mind with them right now. And what do we do with lies from the enemy? The Bible says we take them captive to the obedience of Christ. Because if you're walking with the Lord, those lies are going to come at you. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be fear. It could be lack of knowledge. But as believers, we're to take the Word of God against those lies and bring them to where they're harmless because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So one of the lies that the enemy is going to tell us that we can't share the gospel, I want you to believe that God wants to use you. Who does God want to use? He wants to use every believer that's still taking breath. A little man like Gabriel, a little older than Gabriel, was a guy named Josiah in the Bible. And Josiah was the king of Israel as an 8 or 9-year-old boy. Now obviously he had advisors. He was in the lineage. And when the lineage passed on to the next male, he became the king. Now don't take this wrong. Some of you will chuckle at it. But it might not be a bad idea to have a king... A president, eight or nine years old now, right? I can't tell you how to vote. But I can tell you that I vote closest to the Word of God. And the last time I checked, abortion is a sin against God. And the last time I checked, a man is to marry a woman, a woman is to marry a man. That doesn't mean that we beat people over the head with the Bible that don't believe that or weren't taught that. It just means that we go to them in love, we pray for them, and then we give them the truth, we give them the gospel. And then it's in their ballpark. God gave us a free will. He gave us a choice to choose. But we are the mailman, We are the male ladies. We are the messengers. So Josiah was the king of Israel. And then we have, man, y'all sat in perfect places together. How old are you, big guy? Fifteen. 15. Young teenager named David slew a giant. Now, Debbie, if I could find a nine foot giant that was a S I N N E R sinner who converted to Christ and played the position of C N T R and was nine feet away from a ten feet goal, crossfire would never lose. David slew a giant, a shepherd boy, probably younger than you, brother. God used him. And he uses senior citizens as well. My dad was 79 years old. Debbie and some of you others knew my dad here. And uh, he wasn't always a soul winner. And I wasn't either. And when God got a hold of me, my dad began to be a soul winner. And my dad sold windows and doors, patio covers, siding. His business was on Merriman Avenue for 50 years. And when he became a soul winner, he would go into people's homes and he would give them a price on the windows, their doors, their siding. But before he left... He would always ask them, have you ever repented of your sin, given your life to Jesus? Or he would give them a gospel track. You say, boy, Randy, I wouldn't do that. You're mixing religion and business. Good. Don't mix religion and business. Mix Jesus and business. There's thousands of religions out there. Religion is man's way of trying to get to God. The message that we have, y'all, is God stepping down and giving his son. To die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, and how are they going to hear unless we share with them? And if everybody here is doing that, you ought to be amen, and, and I know you are on the inside, but probably, if Dr. Billy Graham is right, 95% of us, including myself, for way too long, are not doing that. So now the enemy's throwing some lies at us of why we can't do that. The number one lie he's going to throw at you is, Brother Randy, it's going to be fear. It's going to be lack of knowledge, but we're going to get even more personal. Specific is going to be, I don't know the Bible. If I knew the Bible like Pastor Tim, or I knew the Bible like Billy Graham, I would share the gospel, but I just don't know the Bible. I might mess it up. I might say the wrong thing. Well, I want to challenge you. If Jamie and I, if Jamie were coming back next week, or I was coming back next week, and we said, if you memorize four verses called the Roman road, And it's not a road out here off of Sweeten Creek Highway. It's a Roman road in the Bible. If you don't know the verses, if you don't know them, jot the reference down, not the whole thing. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated His love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and I'm going to paraphrase Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Thou shalt be saved. If we were going to memorize those four verses by next Sunday and Crossfire was going to give you a $100 bill, brother, there would be some Scripture memory going on this week, wouldn't there? Because Christmas is coming up. What would be your motivation? Dinero. Money. What should be our motivation? Friends, if you put all my sins on this board and we put all your sins on this board, we would want to crawl onto the stage or run out of here. But thank God, by the blood of Jesus, though our sins be as scarlet, they may be as white as snow. The slate has been cleaned. Now we are the righteousness of Christ. We're no longer a sinner. We're a saint that sins. We know that as believers. That's what Paul said. And that's what the scripture says. Now, man, that is news enough to be sharing the gospel, isn't it? Thank God somebody shared it with us. So the first lie that we believe is, I don't know the Bible. We can learn the Bible, can't we, big guy? And if you can't read or you have a disease where you can't read uh, or don't understand or you're past that age, you can get you some gospel tracts. I've got a couple in my pocket, I think. This one says, The Gift. Made by a friend of mine in Memphis, Tennessee, who said he was a minister under Dr. Adrian Rogers for years. It's got a Christmas present on it. It's great for Christmas. You can give it out. But do me a favor don't be at the restaurant this afternoon and leave a 10% tip and throw a track down. You make us look bad. Don't do that, all right? You make the gospel look bad. I've been there, done that. Leave a 25% tip and then leave a gospel track. Or Share the gospel with the waiter or the waitress as they're coming back and forth to your table. Now, you learn to do that. they got to work. I understand that. But in the course of conversation, we talk to them about everything else. We can share the gospel there. We can share the gospel at the gas station. Bill Bright believed that five minutes with a person was a divine opportunity to share the gospel. And I believe that as well. Maybe you're not there yet. You don't become a good shooter, do you, overnight. You don't become a good soccer player overnight. You've got to work hard. You've got to be dedicated. Study to show thyself approved. So number one lie the enemy tells us is that I don't know the Bible. We can learn the Bible or you can get a gospel track. Don't do this. Seeing this done, we take it. You're the great example there on the front row. Come up here to me, big guy, all right? I go up to you downtown Ashville and I say, man, read this. You're going to hell. Have a seat. You're not going to reach anybody like that, are you, big guy? You're not going to reach anybody like that. We give them love. We give them compassion. But we do share the gospel with them. I've messed up in the way that I've done it. If you're a soul winner, you've probably messed up in the way that you've done it before. So we can learn the scripture. Number two lie the enemy is going to tell us is, Brother Randy, if I commit to the matter of being a soul winner today, I'm going to be persecuted. Guess what? If you're not being persecuted today in this world... You're probably not on fire for Jesus. Wow. That's a pretty tough statement, Randy. The world that we're living in is opposed to Jesus. We're getting it every day in the media. We're getting it every day on TV. We're getting it every day on the news. We're getting it at work. Some of you are in tough situations. You say, Randy, I can't bust up into my job and say, get around my table. I'm going to share the gospel. I understand that. But you can watch people. And when people are hurting... And the Holy Spirit leads you. You can take them to lunch for a meal. You can say, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. This message changed my life. Or you can take them out for a cup of coffee. And you can share the gospel with them. We have to be creative, friends. Randy, you don't believe in friendship evangelism. Absolutely, I do. But it doesn't take six months to build a relationship with someone to share the gospel with them. I'm not smart enough to realize if they're going to be alive tomorrow or the next day, or the next day. So yes, we can learn the Bible. Yes, we will be persecuted. I don't have time to tell you the story. Maybe some of you heard it. Uh, One time in Israel, I was spinning the basketball gable. You asked me, was I going to spin the ball for you today on the toothbrush, spoon, and cell phone? We're going to do that at the table afterwards, all right? So we'll do that there. I don't want to take time away from the message. But I was doing that in the streets in Jerusalem, and there were some Hasidic Jews there, and they had the curls, they had the black, hat, they have the black uh, clothing. If you're a Jew here today, praise God. I pray you become a messianic Jew and give your life to Christ. But I was doing that in the streets, big guy, and some youth like you, you're the example again. Tell me your name. Jaden. You sat in the perfect spot. You get a t-shirt off the table afterwards, All right. So Jaden, there was a group of youth there, and I was giving them crossfire gospel tracks, spinning the ball, talking about like this ball is spinning on the toothbrush and cleaning my teeth. Jesus wants to clean your heart up. On a spoon, taste and see the Lord is good. On a cell phone, go into all the world and share the gospel. I was doing that. The youth were listening. What I didn't see was an Hasidic Jewish man got on his cell phone, sister. And before you know it, there were 60 Hasidic Jews around me. Dressed in black with curls, black hats, black clothing. And they were chanting in Hebrew and broken English. And I asked the guy beside me, what are they saying? We hate you and we hate Jesus too. okay. Welcome to Jerusalem. One of them steps out of the crowd and he says, Go back to America and share that message with those pagans in America. I said, Sir, I was a pagan in America. And I dropped down on one knee. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I probably would have wanted to fight, brother, but thank God for the Holy Spirit. I took my basketball and I said, Basketball used to be my God, but now Yeshua, Jesus, is my God.'" He said, well, that's great. You bring your people over here, but you leave your Jesus at home. Then a guy steps out. The guy he comes up to me about this far away. I thought he's just going to talk to me, and he spits in my face. So I got spit rolling down my face. Young fellow with me, about 75 years old. He was a deacon at a church down in the eastern part of North Carolina. He got his hand chopped off when he was 13 years old in a sawmill. He was standing there, and I said, Frank... Now, Jamie was the smart one, Debbie. Jamie was at the hotel with 40 people resting after a long day of walking in Jesus' footsteps. But about 10 people wanted to go over and buy t T-shirt, so that's how we ended up here, Jaden. So I tell Frank, I said, Frank, go out in the crowd, get your wife and a couple others, put them in a taxi cab, send them back to the hotel, I'll be okay. Frank, 75 years old, about five foot seven, rose up like this. He said, Randy, I'm not going anywhere. He said, I'm praying for you. You're sharing the gospel. Wow. Frank didn't know, brother, but I, had, I was through sharing the gospel. I was looking for a way of escape. So I said, Frank, we need to get back up the street. I wasn't going to tell the whole story, but the Lord led me to because y'all would be wanting to know the rest of the story, so we'll tell it. So we're going up the street. I had on a Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life t-shirt, which is a great witnessing tool. You don't even have to say a word. You can wear a scripture on your shirt. When I go to Tennessee football games, I've been blessed with good tickets not far from the field. So when I stand up during the timeouts, 60,000 people behind me have to read, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A lot of compliments, a lot of opposition, but it opens a way for a lot of good gospel conversations. In fact, at the Alabama-Tennessee game, walking to the car, a 20-year-old African-American guy and a 19-year-old girl came up to me walking back to my car and said, now this came by prayer. Some of you praying for divine appointments. I put that up on the post. If you follow the post, pray for divine appointments. They come up to me and ask me, out of 100,000 cars over there, do you know how to get to our car? I said, nope, but I can tell you how to get to heaven. Share the gospel with them. Ten minutes later, right there on the street with thousands of fans walking by, they bowed their head and prayed to receive Christ. Nothing I can do is the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the life-changing business. Well, what happened to him, Randy? Did you stay over there six months and disciple them? No, I didn't. He who has begun a good work in them will complete it on the day of Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not against discipleship. But somebody once asked Billy Graham, Pastor Graham, you go into a crusade... You see hundreds and hundreds of people come forward do you stay around for 3 weeks and disciple them no that's where the local church comes in we try to get them in a bible believing church and i named a few in Knoxville that i knew to try to get them involved and plugged into a church like this where they can be disciple but friends we're not going to not share the gospel just because we're not going to be there to disciple them you got to catch the fish before you can clean them you're not you got to get them in the boat and then they get cleaned. You can't clean them before they receive Christ. So, so if you're thinking that excuse, which I've been challenged with before, Randy, what happens to these people? Well, we pray to the Lord, they grow. How many of them are real, Randy? We pray they're all real. I did all I could to make them real. And then I usually ask them, how's your style of evangelism going? Well, you're right. I, I don't really do it. So not trying to be smart, but we've got to share the gospel, y'all. There's a many questions the enemy will throw at us of what's going to happen, we obviously want them all to be discipled. But some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. You may be the touch on that person's life. I heard a statistic by Campus Crusade for Christ once that a person hears the gospel seven times before they receive Christ. I don't know how they made that statistic up, but that's the case. you You may be number three. And if they don't accept Christ, they're not rejecting you. If they get belligerent with you, like the Jews were with me that day, they're rejecting Christ that's in you because I was being very lovely, loving. So the rest of that story, we're going up the street, get to a restaurant there. There's a piece of uh, lamb hanging there that's been cooked. They're making sandwiches off that lamb. And uh, Frank and I are going up the street. They're having to read the back of my shirt. They even threw a bottle out of the crowd that hit me on the side of the head. Well, Jaden, i got a hard head. Some of these people know that. It didn't hurt me. But later on that night, a friend reaches up in my hair and says, Randy, you got glass in your hair. So the bottle was real. And so I said, Sir, can you call the police? And I pointed to the mob behind me. I got a whole new visual of what Paul meant in the Scripture by an angry mob. You could see the demonic forces on their face. Just like I could see the demonic forces on the face of the parades that were going on downtown that were cursing the police, and 165 policemen that had been defunded in our Asheville police force because we defunded the police. Don't get me started on that. You don't want to go where these policemen go. You don't want to go into the places these policemen have to go to. Are there some bad police out there? Yeah, a few, and they need to be prosecuted. They need to be put in jail if they beat people when they weren't, defending the law and when they weren't doing the right thing. But we can't take the paintbrush friends and paint the whole crowd and throw them out. Ludicrous. No matter what side of politics you're on. There are bad policemen. There are bad pastors. There are bad evangelists. There are bad Walmart salesmen. There are bad doctors. There are bad nurses. We can't paint the whole group. Didn't mean to go there, Jaden, but went there. All right, buddy. So, Walking there, the guy says, Yes, come with me. So I go up the steps. I sit down in a box at the top of the restaurant in the attic, and I have this thought. This is about 20 years ago. My daddy is going to see me on World News Tonight. So Frank goes, Now, Randy, I'm going to go get my wife and the others now and put them in a taxi cab. And sent them back to the hotel. I said, they probably don't even know they're out there. We're safe now. The guy's calling the police. They're coming. Well, Frank said, no, I'm going. He said, they're not after me. They're after you. He was right. He went right through the crowd. He got the others, put them in a taxi cab, sent them back to the hotel. He's coming back to me. One thing I left out at the piece of lamb there, when I asked the manager if he could call the police, there were two guys there with yarmulkes on. Now you know what that means? That means they're Jewish. And they had turned on the crowd. And they said, you leave these guys alone. They're doing a good thing. They're sharing the gospel. Which shocked me. Because they had yarmulkes on. They were Jewish. So as Frank was coming back, the two guys stopped him. And they said, we're Messianic Jews. God had us here to help you. I don't know if they were Jews, Messianic Jews, or angels. The Bible says we entertain angels. And we don't even know it. But he came up and shared that story with me. I had peace because some of you were probably praying, but I had more peace after that. So the police shows up. I'm almost done. There's a point to this. Police show up. they got their helmets, their bats on. They're like, what's going on, young man? What are you, what are you, what's going on? I said, sir, I mentioned Jesus and all havoc broke loose. He said, you stay right here. We're going to come with a car and get you, take you back to the hotel. I said, yes, sir. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right behind you. So they pull up in front of the restaurant, sirens on. Downtown Jerusalem, Benny Huda Street, they take Frank and I, put us in the uh, little squad car there. The policeman driving the squad car cuts his wheels at the acidic Jews and they all jump out of the way. Later on I find out that the Israeli police don't like the acidic Jews and he kind of did that as a joke. But they weren't joking. They had faces, demonic faces on their face. You ever seen the movie Left Behind when they were screaming at the Christians and throwing things at them? That's what it looked like. So I'm in the taxi cab. We're going across Jerusalem with the sirens on. I have this thought Man, I would have never tried to put those people in danger. I'm going to apologize to them when I get to the lobby of the hotel. So we get to the lobby of the hotel. They're there praying for me. I walk up to them and I say, Y'all, I'm really sorry. Randy, what are you sorry for? You're sharing the gospel. We're all supposed to be sharing the gospel. We don't even share the gospel in America, and we've been saved for years. We're going to repent. And we're going to go back to America and start sharing the gospel. Friends, that was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And I used to say we'll probably never face that kind of persecution in America. But guess what? It's here. And if we don't come out of the closet as Bible-believing Christians and stand on the Word of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, not beating people over the head with the Bible, but stand on the Word of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ when He said, Yea, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth, it's going to get worse. And it may get worse. Saying so, you're wanting us to witness, Randy? We will be persecuted. But guess what? Jesus said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You say, but Randy, i got a question for you. What happened to Stephen? Stephen got stoned. You're trying to get us to be martyrs? No. But if we could pull the veil back now and see Stephen and the rewards that he got... Because he took the stones, brother. 300,000 people around the world this year will have their heads cut off because they won't deny Christ. What's my excuse? What's your excuse? God called us to go and share the gospel and be fishers of men, women, boys and girls. First lie, I don't know the Bible. Second lie, I'm moving fast. Stay with me. Second lie, I'll be persecuted. You will, but it's okay. God says His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient, Randy. All the disciples were killed. Stephen was martyred. Whether we realize it or not, and I'm not trying to get you to be a martyr, I pray I'll have that courage if it faced me one day. And I wouldn't run. Peter was an awesome man of God and he denied Christ. God, give us that strength that our brothers and sisters in Pakistan, in the Middle East, in Africa, in China, have To stand for the gospel. We're going to give an account, friends. As American Christians, we're going to give an account one day. For what we've done. With the word of God. You see, we get into heaven by the blood of Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Not of works. So that no man can boast. But one day there's going to be a beam of judgment. You know what happens to the beam of judgment? It's kind of like at work. When the boss pulls you in on Friday. And says, how many presentations did you make of our product this week? Because the more presentations you make, the more sales you're going to make. Or it may be where the coach says, Randy, you shot two for ten last night. You threw the ball away six times and your man got ten rebounds. You need to improve on that. The beam of judgment is going to be this. Who did you bring with you? It's not going to be for us to go around heaven when we win a game and tear the goalposts down. The beam of judgment is going to be to take the rewards that God gives us and to lay Him at His feet and thank Him for what He's allowed us to do through Him. Now, I've been an evangelist long enough, Joe. I know what that means. It means wrap it up, Randy, All right. Fourth line, we're going to close. Number one, I don't know the Bible. Number two, we're going to be persecuted. Number three, I'm going to be attacked by the enemy. The artilleries of hell are pointed at Joe and Tim and this staff. And if they can get this staff to fall, it's going to affect the city, the state, the community. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those that are on the front lines, and we're all on the front lines. Pray for each other. we got the helmet of salvation. we got the breastplate of righteousness. we got the belt of truth. we got the sandals of peace. We've got the sword of the Spirit to stand against the fiery darts of the enemy. The fourth lie, quickly, it's the preacher's job. We pray, Brother Joe. We pay Tim. We pay the staff. It's their job to share the gospel. No, it's their job to disciple the flock. Yes, they need to be sharing the gospel too, but it's our job as believers in Christ to be sharing the gospel. And the last lie is this. Brother Randy, you're single. You probably have the gift of evangelism. I don't have that gift. My gift is serving. My gift is teaching. Dr. Adrian Rogers once said, not all people have the gift of evangelism, but every Christian is called to be an evangelist. If you can't reach a thousand, reach one. Babby Mason had a song, each one, reach one. We're going to have an invitation. Hopefully, you've understood that God wants to use you. Whether you're Josiah, whether you're David, whether you're a 79-year-old daddy of mine that was paralyzed, couldn't get out of bed. One day, young people, if you live long enough or your parents live long enough, when you were young, Jaden, you your parents changed your diapers. When your parents get 80 or 90 years old, they get, they get physically weak, you may have to change their diapers. My ministry partner, Jamie, did it for his preacher daddy for 10 years before he went to heaven. CNAs were coming into my dad's nursing home. We didn't stick him in a nursing home. My mom was there from sun up to sundown, serving him. He was a big man. He was paralyzed from the stroke that he had when I came out of the Tennessee game, and we couldn't uh, take care of him at home. By God's grace, Debbie, he led three CNAs to the Lord that were cleaning his dirty diapers. What's my excuse? What's your excuse? I want you to believe today that God wants to use you. And lastly, as we close, I want you to believe and make a commitment today to be a seed planter, to be a soul winner. If you're in that 95% that I was in for way too long, God wants to do it through you. It's not your personality. It's not your spiritual gift. It's the method. What's the, what's the, what's the message? The message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. As great as this church is, Two minutes and I'm done. Inviting people to Arden First Baptist Church is not sharing the gospel. And Tim will tell you that as well. Sharing the gospel is taking the gospel to the world. The death, burial, and resurrection. We can learn to do that. You can pray. It's the Holy Spirit that goes before us. I want to challenge you as we close. Pray that God will go before you and prepare the hearts of those that need to hear the gospel. You can pray this, Lord, pull the strongholds down that they've been believing. Pull the lies down that they've been believing. And I prayed that, friends, and it's like picking an apple off a tree sometimes. Example of a buddy of mine in Memphis, African-American brother. He's in ministry. He went through EE at Bellevue under Dr. Adrian Rogers. One of the businessmen in Memphis, big money man in Memphis, was in this class. And this guy would never share the businessman wouldn't. And Q was paired up with him. Q was a soul winner. And the businessman said, Q, I want to share this time. Q said, thank you, Lord. I've been praying for this. So Quentin was just sitting there listening. Miss Debbie, he had Romans 3 mixed with Romans 6.23. He had part of Romans 6.23 mixed with Romans 10:9 and 10. Q's sitting there thinking, oh, no, I've got to interrupt this, Mr. Jaden. He's going to mess this thing up. He's got it all twisted. He got to the part with the man where he said, Sir, would you like to receive Christ? And with tears running down his face, the guy repented and put his faith in Christ. Friends, we can't mess it up. They're already away. They're not getting any further away. Now, if you go cast them down and cuss them out, yeah, not cuss them, but cuss them with the Bible, you're going to be driving people away. But as loving as you are sometimes and as peaceful as you are, you're still going to be accused of being intolerant. You're going to be accused of not caring about people. Friends, Jaden, if you had a rattlesnake under that bench and it was going to bite you and I didn't tell you, what kind of a friend would I be? Not too good of a friend, would I? If you were a doctor here, one minute left, and and you had the cure to cancer, and I had cancer and you didn't give me that cure, what kind of a doctor would you be? Friends, we've got, and I'm speaking to myself, we've got to pray for opportunities daily. I want to close in prayer and challenge you. Ask God to give you opportunities to share the gospel. Jamie Johnson's mom, my ministry partner's mom, she's 95% blind. She writes in perfect calligraphy. She's 85 years old. She puts her head on the table and writes in perfect calligraphy. She writes 130 people a month a letter in perfect calligraphy. She's sharing the gospel and she's 95% blind not here to put you on a guilt trip, but want to challenge you as your brother. Thank God somebody challenged me. I thank God I had a soul-winning pastor that challenged me. Friends, let's go out this Christmas season and let's pray for opportunities to present the gospel. I'm going to close in prayer. The invitation is threefold. Number one, if you don't know Christ today, the question that I ask you, I want to ask it one more time. If you die today, we pray that doesn't happen, but we're not promised tomorrow. And you stood before God and He said, Why shall I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? The only answer is because I've repented and put my faith in Christ. If you've never done that, I want to pray a simple prayer and give you that opportunity. The church prays for people to come that don't know Christ. You may be here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. I need to repent. I need to know when I walk through those doors that I have a relationship with Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening so well. Lord, I thank you for this great church. Thank you that the Word is preached here every Sunday. I thank you, Lord, that the gospel goes out from here. But, Lord, it just doesn't need to go out from the pulpit. It needs to go out from each and every one of us, Lord. And, Lord, if there's a person within the sound of my voice online here in the sanctuary that doesn't have the assurance that they have a relationship with you, I pray you draw them right now by your Holy Spirit. If you need to make that decision, you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner like Mr. Randy. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Just tell him that. And Lord Jesus, I don't understand everything. But I know my sin separates me from you. And right now, I repent. Just tell him, Lord, I turn from my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Just tell him that. I'm putting my faith and trust in you, Jesus. And I believe you died on the cross for me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Make me into the person that you want me to be. If that's your prayer, something like that. Words don't save us, but it's the attitude of our heart. You prayed that for the first time. Or you weren't sure, like I wasn't at 19, but I made sure and I nailed it down in my dorm room at UNC Asheville. After that injury I talked about early on. You prayed that today for the first time or you nailed it down today and you made sure with heads bowed and eyes closed. The Bible says if we acknowledge Jesus before man, He will acknowledge us before the Father in heaven. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If you made that decision today, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. Don't worry about who's around you. It's between you and God, me and God. You prayed that today and you nailed it down. Like that precious nine-year-old girl that raised her hand in the first service and another man in the back. You say, I prayed that today, Randy, for the first time. Or I nailed it down and I made sure. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just slip your hand up right where you're at. Amen. Appreciate your honesty. Let's raise it up and put it right back down. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Second prayer is this. Brother Randy, I know the Lord. I didn't have to pray that prayer. I didn't have to get assurance. But I know that there's some things in my life that shouldn't be there that I've put before my relationship with the Lord. Friends, I've been there, done that. I don't need to be saved today, Mr. Randy. I've been saved, but I want to make a recommitment to Christ. I want Jesus to be the head coach of my life. That's your prayer today. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whatever it may be, the Spirit of God is put on your heart today. Maybe it's a lack of witnessing. Maybe it's your finances you haven't been giving. The Bible says bring your tithes to the storehouse. Whatever it may be, the Spirit of God has put on your heart. Just confess it to the Lord right now. Just say, Lord, I confess this to you and I accept your forgiveness and your mercy. And just thank Him for His mercy and grace. Just tell him, Lord, I want you to be the head coach of my life. I recommit my life to you fresh and anew, right now. Not those of you that raised your hand for the first prayer, but you're making a recommitment of your life to the Lord today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to slip your hand up right where you're at. Amen, 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 amen. Hands all over the building. Thank you. Last prayer is this. Mr. Randy, I can relate to Dr. Graham's statistic that 95% of believers will need a, never lead a soul to Christ, but I want to make that commitment today to be a seed planter, to be a soul winner. It scares me to death. Yes, those five lies come at me, but like the fisherman, I just want to make myself available. It's not our talents and our abilities, our money, our fame, what we can do with a ball or a sport, our beauty, it's our availability. It's not our ability, but it's our availability. He said, Mr. Randy, I just want to make myself available to be a seed planter, to be a soul winner, to be a fisher of men, women, boys, and girls. Will you pray for me today for courage, for boldness? Proverbs says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs also says he that wins souls is wise. Lord, we want to be wise. We want to be bold about the things that matter, that what's going to matter in eternity. Friends, I fall short every day. My hand is already up. You may be on the praise team. You may be on staff. You may be in the congregation. My hand is up. I want this prayer. And If you want this prayer today for holy boldness, for courage, to make yourself available as God brings people across your path to plant seeds and to share the gospel, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand right now with me. Father, you see the hands that are raised right now. Mine's up. I fall short every day. God, we pray for holy boldness. We pray for courage. We pray, God, you would go before us this week and give us divine opportunities to present the gospel. Lord, if we don't know the gospel, I pray we would learn the Roman road. We can even write our testimony down, two or three minutes on paper, that we can share with someone. Father, we can take a gospel track and lovingly give it to them and ask them to read it. Father, we pray for souls to come forth from these commitments today, Lord, you said the fields are white unto harvest, but the labors are few. Lord, we want to be your labors. You do it through us, Lord. We can't do it on our own. Lord, you see the hands that are raised and others that are already doing it. Lord, we pray you bless these prayers. In Jesus' name. You can look up now. A couple of you raised your hand for salvation. Some of you raised your hand for recommitment. A good number of you. Raise your hand that you want to be available for the Lord to use you. This altar is open. Brother Joe is going to sing or minister the last song. We're not going to prolong it. But if you want to come and just kneel on this altar. If you made a decision for Jesus today, I'll be here. Brother Tim would love to know so you can follow through and be discipled. You made a recommitment. Maybe you just want to come and say, hey, I'm, I'm making a public recommitment. Maybe you want to come and kneel. No one comes. The invitation will be over. Not trying to get somebody to come, but there's something about a public decision that lets us know that we mean business. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed as Brother Joe ministers. Just ask the Lord, Lord, is this invitation for me? You might not get a time quite like this when the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. not going to prolong it, but you come if the Lord leads you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.